0: Hey Quadruple AFL Fantasy fans, welcome to the podcast. Well, we made it a long summer, but we finally had some games to talk about in round one of the Quadruple AFL season in the books and some shock results and some not so shocking results also. Today on the pod, you'll hear from JR and myself as we dissect the round that was before giving a tip for round two. And at the end, I'm joined by none other than the shit-hot coach himself, Grady Hard, to talk about his 1-0 and team. Big show. I won't lie, we're a little flat today, JR and I. We're coming off losses. We're feeling a little under the weather. So if that's reflected in the pod, we apologise. And we also went a little crow-heavy at the start. So I apologise if you're not a Crows fan, but you'll maybe get a kick out of us complaining about our team so if you can bear with us for the first 10 minutes you'll uh, get to a very entertaining pod have fun enjoy Round one in the books, and it was a memorable week for some teams and one to forget for others. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh
1: Ryan. How are you today? Yeah, I'm uh, good, mate. Happy to be here again. I think this is podcast four now, which is three more than I, I thought we'd get through. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're going better than expected. You know, it's at least
0: semi-listenable when, I don't know if listenable is a word, but semi-listenable when you have... People messaging you through the week, what day is the pod coming out? I think it should drop this day. (laughs) Not not considering that either of us work and have families and uh, have a life outside of this, but it's good to know that uh, our work's being enjoyed.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Always nice to be appreciated.
0: Well, on the weekend, we had our first lot of games for the quadruple AFL, as well as the regular footy, if you so care about that. Some big results, which we'll get to shortly, but we've got a few talking points beforehand. First of all, how are you feeling after the Crows on the weekend? Because I have never seen how, I don't know how many Crows fans you have in the group, but I've never seen a group of people. Yeah, just, I've never seen a group of people just be so deflated after one game of football, even one half of football.
1: Yeah, I went from halftime. I I did go and watch the game with a fellow quadruple AFL uh, preliminary final specialist, Michael Johnson. We could not have been more excited at halftime. Oh, my God, this is amazing. How good are we? Rankin, unbelievable. Like, everything was tip top. And then it took all of about probably 15 minutes into the third quarter for it all to evaporate. And now I'm, I'm not far away from moving on to fruit and veg sort of advice from Better Homes and Gardens, like I don't know, maybe how to sort of grow a nice little hedge, treat your lawn, grow a lemon tree. Like I, I'm pretty close to to calling quits on the season already. After that, I don't know how you're feeling.
0: Well, I could see you really getting uh, getting into Sandful this year, but not like Crows Reserve <laughs> Sandful. Like just everybody's talking about uh, the AFL and just footy in general. And you're there going, "How good's McBean? You and Dean, you and <laughs> you and Dean just having your own private conversation."
1: Well, I actually saw Liam McBean down the bay, um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, look, he he, he looks good. He looks ready to go. So I think the bays could be uh, on for a good (laughs) year. You
0: messaged our group privately on Sunday morning. And at the time, I thought it was a ridiculous statement. But the more I think about it, it's so true. You messaged our Crows group and said, Port Adelaide winning the day before has somehow made you less confident in the result for the Crows today, even though they were playing a different team and they are not a combined entity.
1: <laughs>
0: and the thing is, you're right. The moment you message it, I said to Alicia, this is ridiculous. Like, why would anybody say this? And then I thought about it and I went, oh crap, actually, you know what? Thought, they look right at GWS and, and, and this and that. And it, it just got in my head. And I get, I guess from that moment, it was temporarily alleviated in the first half when it was shit hot. But then it all came crashing down.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh- it wasn't good. It, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. I checked out of the last couple of games of the round and I am dreading going on Saturday afternoon this week. So, We had better move on. This is not
0: a Crows podcast as much as we want it to be. It is time for Get Him Off.
2: Fucking get him off. Yeah. Um, get Minson off! He's coming off. Get him, get him back off! off. Get him off. Get him off. Get, get him off. off! rock, it, rock it. We can't hear.
0: I mentioned before the intro there that it isn't a Crows podcast, but I have a funny feeling that Get Him Off This Week might have a very Adelaide Crows feel and theme to it. So I'm going to throw over to you first. What has made you say Get Him
1: Off This Week? Well, first of all, you are correct. My Get Him Off This Week does have an Adelaide Crows theme. And, you know, you might think it, it could be the coach, I have some some well-known opinions on that it could be the players who absolutely dropped the ball and, and baffed up a, a five goal lead at halftime. they would be reasonable you know assumptions that that uh, any any of those uh, any of those individuals could be my get him off subject but i'm going you know a little off script a little you know out of uh, what would normally be expected and the man i want to really target with my get him off segment is Darren Burgess, the so-called fitness expert, uh, fitness guru, any kind of positive description of this man you could possibly think of. It's been used. He's been featured in the press. Um, you know, him coming to the Crows was a big deal. And ultimately, the time for him to show his value was on the weekend. And you have a question by the looks of it.
0: Well, he's worked for some very high-profile clubs. It was more of a statement that, you know, he comes
1: with a certain reputation. So I, I think... Um... Well, you did mention that Darren Burgess came with a big reputation. And unfortunately for him, big reputations come with big expectations. And what's the last thing that a team would want? It's 40 degrees. We're down by five goals. Uh, you know... We've got no one left on the bench. Half the team's been knocked out in sickening collisions. We would not want to play a team that is fit, that can run, that can really run out the game strongly. And even though that there was no one on the bench, the team that he has overseen for now three preseasons, I believe, wilted in the conditions, absolutely wilted. And I think this man should be held to account. It's never good when someone with a mildly peripheral role in an organization, is held up as someone who will have a very integral role in that team's success. And, yeah, it has proved to be he could be a fraud. We will see how the season goes, but the early indications are not good for this man. So while you were just going on a very justified rant about Darren Burgess,
0: (laughs) I was... (laughs) Uh, Googling Darren Burgess LinkedIn to see where he's been. And I'll just, I'm just going to read you the the organisations that he's been involved in. So you, you, at least if you're a listener who's not familiar with Darren Burgess, you get the sense of his credibility. So he started his career as head fitness coach at Port Adelaide, went to uh, the Football Federation of Australia, so training the Socceroos from uh, 07 to 10. From there, straight to Liverpool Football Club, back to Port Adelaide for five years as high-performance manager in their blur sort of years. Uh, went to Arsenal as the high-performance manager, went to Melbourne as high-performance manager, and has then proceeded to be a consultant for Westing United Football Club, which was going under the radar. Maybe he's very distracted by the A-League, and also our high-performance <laughs> manager
1: at the same time. So he's no slouch. He uh, He's worked with some big clubs. Can I just mention that? I think if you were to look at that LinkedIn profile as a normal resume, As an employer, you could be concerned about the amount of times that he's moved on from a role in a very short time span. Uh, And and I would just question, what are the reasons behind this? Can we get to the bottom of this? Is this man actually good at his job? Well, wait till I talk to you about his qualifications. Are you prepared to call
0: him Dr. Darren Burgess? (laughs) You tell me. I was half expecting when I went to his education to actually not see any university degree behind him in like, I don't know, a TAFE certificate from the Australian Institute of Fitness.
1: (laughs) That was what I was expecting as well.
0: So you're saying that even though it was 36 degrees and there were obviously um, a lot of players probably still conditioning themselves after the back of uh, a long preseason or um, a lack of a preseason for some you're not, you're not forgiving of that performance and you think that there is something to be said about the high-performance manager.
1: I think if you come with that kind of reputation and assumably that kind of uh, matching pay packet, there should be very high expectations that this team should be one of the fittest in the league. And the fact that they couldn't run over GWS in 40 degrees when there was no players left on the bench, I think Nick Haynes came back on and like one of his legs wasn't even working. <laughs> <laughs> among others, like they lost a lot of their very good players and they still could not, you know, remotely give a yelp in the second half. I am concerned. Well, my Get Him Off
0: segment was also going to be Crows related, but I anticipated that yours would be very Crow-centric and I knew <laughs> that we'd talk about them at the start and on the risk of, uh, or running the risk of uh, making this a Adelaide Crows hate podcast, which I'm sure probably Starcy would love, I'm going to go in a different direction and I'm going to change my get them off segment this week. Uh, It's very specific and I'm not sure a lot of people will be able to uh, empathize or sympathize with me, but my get them off segment this week is toll roads. And I was going to make this driving in Queensland in general, but toll roads is what I'm going to narrow down this focus on. Jay, i I'm going to ask you a question as somebody who's probably not familiar with
1: toll roads. is, Is that a fair statement? Uh, that is a fair statement. I try my best to avoid them the couple of times I've gone to Melbourne. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not a fan and nor am I aware of them at all, really. What would you say is the price for the
0: moment your car touches a toll road? So the moment you go from a public road to
1: a toll road, what do you think you're charged? And this is like every time you touch that road, like that that's an additional payment. Correct. So I go on the toll road. I wanted to go back home and then i have to use the toll road again yep. that's a separate payment right yeah that's correct oh uh, like uh, normally I, I would say something like two bucks if you triple that you would be correct <laughs> it is six dollars
0: every time you touch a toll road and you mentioned just then that every time you go oh, on God. a different toll road you get charged well As a very naive Adelaidean moving up to the big smoke that is Brisbane, I wasn't aware of that. I thought you had maybe a half an hour grace period to go on any sort of toll road that that you could. And I should have probably done my research. So how is my shock this week when I receive a bill for a 15-minute trip to a pub and then a 15-minute trip back to be charged $38 for my... For
1: the joy of using their not even great roads. That's amazing. That actually costs more than your dinner, I would assume. And I also I also love the fact that you thought that it sort of operated like a metro ticket. Like you had like two hours from the time that you validated it. <laughs> the worst part about all this is I speak to Queenslanders
0: up here and I say, oh, the toll roads suck. I can't believe you have to pay to go on roads. And they look at me like I'm fucking nuts. Like I, I come from this world where... You know, this magical land where all roads are free. And I say, yeah, that is the case. Yeah, we, we don't pay for roads in Adelaide.
1: And then they go, oh, that won't work. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I would contend is maybe they're right. And maybe if we did have toll roads in Adelaide, that every second fucking road that you used would not have roadworks on it and be 40Ks an hour max for at least half the duration of that road on every single day. So maybe they got a point. Maybe toll roads are the way of the future. Well, the only thing I will
0: say that is a bonus about the toll roads here is they haven't made their highways or freeways one way. <laughs> <laughs> as yeah, well, as the Southern Expressway uh, once was. So there, there is merit, I guess, to some of the, um, the decision-making behind toll roads. But I tell you what. I have now flicked my Google Maps to avoid tolls because there is no way it is sustainable for anybody to be charged $38 every single time they need to make a trip, a short trip to the pub. That is absolutely crook. All right, we're going to take a break and we are coming back with our first round review of the year. Welcome back. Let's get into the round review for... Round one of the quadruple AFL fantasy season. JR, you weren't very active on the chat yesterday. Did you happen to see James Davies' write
1: ups by any chance? I did see James Davies' write ups and they were spectacular. It could be the best content that the quadruple AFL's ever put out. So you have to sh- give a shout out to this man. That is an incredible production. And the
0: fact that he's also given three, two, one votes to each of the players has made our lives very, very simple because I was looking to do something uh, similar on the podcast and there was just another layer of added work. So I am more than happy to just uh, run through with his three, two, one one votes, which I don't know if you saw this, but you'll be very pleased to know that that
1: medal for the MVP of our league is going to be called the Cholman Medal. And, and no one could be more delighted than me. The, the work that this man has put into this league has been uh, phenomenal. And it's a uh, richly deserved honor that will uh, endure the test of time. Okay, let's get into the games. We're just going to go top down, and
0: I think most weeks, just because I created the league, that may be my game first, which is uh, not a bad thing because it sets the tone for the podcast. You can go as hard at my team as you want, Jr. So, first game of the year: revolving doors lose fourteen forty-five to rainy or parade fifteen thirty-four. What I would describe as a pretty comfortable win for Echo in the end, I was mortified, JR, and I was panic messaging you throughout the <laughs> throughout the weekend with Liam Ryan's second half score. The, the man was on about 30 at halftime and then went absolutely crazy in the second half and dropping 100 and something points, which really just summarised my my weekend against Echo because I don't think I put in a terrible performance, but... When you are dropping 100s with Liam Ryan and, and granted Scott Pendlebury's is not uh, a bench player, but it was nice streaming from Echo, putting him on his bench and putting the E on him for a 120. You just know it's not your weekend. So I was disappointed, but I also understood that this was a very good performance from a team who will be around the mark this year. And I think for at least a personal perspective, without Viney, without Prue, so I, I think there's some things to work with there. I will say that there's probably a warning shot from Echo to the rest of the league, and with players like Jordan Clark, 105, Tommy Barras doing what he does, uh, we even had like players like uh, Darcy Cameron just chipping around with almost 80. I think his team's going to be okay, and we, a couple of us predicted him for the Premiership. But coming up against him firsthand, it was it was eye opening. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, I think you know with all the scrambling you were doing post uh, selection night. <laughs> I think you'd have to be pretty happy getting within sort of ninety points of a presumptive premiership favourite, or or at least someone who's presumed to be very much in the mix. So I think you can you can take some heart out of that. I think a very strong start for Echo to uh, to cement uh, his reputation as one of the stronger teams this year. Speaking about heart, the following players have a lack of it. That is Marlon Pickett,
0: Daniel Mixday. <laughs> And I'm probably going to put Brandon Parford in, in that as well, who got an opportunity as sub pretty early on in the game and proceeded to drop a 15 off the bench. And I am very concerned for their courage and their intestinal fortitude.
1: That's, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the, the weekly uh, drive, players, on your own players, because that's exactly what a good coach should do to, to motivate his players. I need public humiliation. Well, we also both tipped Echo for that game, so at least we're sort
0: of justified in knowing that uh, we, we were correct with with that assumption. So, well done, Echo. 1-0 for you, Norton. one for me. We move on to next week, and we also move on to the next game. Next game, I don't want to say I told you so, Josh Ryan, but when I <laughs> tipped... The Gina Grinehart's Grady Hud, to beat Bradley Williams last week. I got a ooh from you, and there was a few people in the group who messaged me privately and said, I don't agree with that tip. Well, what would you know? The Gina Grinehart's 1384, defeat the Collie Wobbles, 1353, in what has been described as a terrible fucking fantasy game (laughs) to watch, (laughs) with no team cracking 1400 and not being able to get the win. Massive score from Toby Nankervis in the ruck against pipsqueak Tom Deconing. 124 for Grady. Tom Green did Tom Green things. I think he'll have a good year for B-Will, 130. But outside of that, there are just some really uninspiring scores across the board here. Cripper uh, on 86. Uh, Cam Guthrie on 54, for example.
1: I'd just like to shout out my appreciation for Toby Nankervis, just as a player. like I love Nankervis as a ruckman. like just real like meat and potatoes like good enough in the rock good around the ground takes marks pretty good like your know, field kick kicks a goal here and there smashes people hurts like opposition midfielders I love Nankervis do you have
0: the same appreciation for Alex Witherden, who dropped 73 points and had West Coast fans who are already in for a bad year fuming on Twitter
1: <laughs> I, I do not but uh yeah Grady uh, Grady May because that Stephanie May have uh, got him over the line against this week. It's a narrative that we've talked about before but Grady starting the
0: year 1 and 0 is exactly what this need a league needed and well as I mentioned in the group he's half his winning total from 2022 already with that first win.
1: And interestingly, B-Will has already accumulated half of the losses that he did last Ooh.
0: year. Oh, that is a really good point. I did not even consider that. The 17-2 and two Collie Wobbles last year, you are absolutely correct. Interesting. I've spoken to B-Will this week. He's not at panic stations yet, but I think one more score of uh, 63 from Nick Newman, and he could trade every single one of those <laughs> players next week.
1: Uh, How is he feeling about uh, Harry Sheasel taking Aaron Hall's spot at halfback after he uh, sold a couple of very good players to you for the uh, for the privilege? I have no comment on that, because I st- and I still think that there
0: is a place for Aaron Hall eventually in this side, but my <laughs> God, did Harry Sheasel look good on the weekend? 34 touches behind the ball. You were telling me all preseason he'll play at halfback, he'll play at halfback, and I didn't believe you because he's never played there before, but... Absolute masterstroke by a Clarko, and yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm, I really hope Aaron Hall
1: gets on the park because that's not fair otherwise. <laughs> Fantasy is not about being fair, and B-Will may have to eat the consequences of his actions. I would not care about accidentally ripping off
0: anybody else in this league. All 15 people can, <laughs> can go and just get for the for the most part. But Bradley Williams, <laughs> I have a soft spot for and we have a great trading relationship and that is not what and uh, <laughs> <is> not what <laughs> that is not what any party wants. So B Will for your sake, I hope Hull gets on the park, but he uh yeah, not looking likely at the moment. World well under Grady, one and zero. B Will Norton one. No room for panic just yet. He's staying calm. He's got uh He's got you this week. We'll get to your game very shortly, JR, and we'll see if one of you end up naught and two, and the other one one and one. Let's move on to the hottest game <laughs> of the round. The anxiety inducing roller coaster of emotions. That was the James Davies versus Regan extraordinary battle. What a performance from James Davies didn't quite get the chocolates but 1485 defeated by Regan with a monster score for round 1 1589 1485 beats most teams in the competition this week with scores off the bench from davies from listen to these players and just tell me how unsustainable this bullshit is by the way dane ramby 116 john noble 105 Dylan Stevens, 108. Jared Witts, 139. This is a team that has had all the quotes from Regan put on the whiteboard during the week. James H. has got the boys around him and got him into a huddle and said, we're not going down without a fight. And they didn't. And I know this because I am in several private group chats with Regan and he had maybe two bottles of red wine on Saturday and the fear that was in that man and the messages he was sending was something to behold.
1: <laughs> I, I have to be honest. I, I only probably sporadically followed the group chat this weekend, but the little bits that I picked up essentially from Regan being very concerned and James Davies being over the moon with some of the performances his team put out there. My impression that uh, for this game was that James Davies was going to roll over the top of him. And it was going to be a boil over for the ages. And I'm really disappointed that it didn't happen just from a content perspective. Yeah, but but when I looked at the final score and it was essentially a 100 point win to Regan, I I was surprised. You think you're disappointed. I started putting together
0: a a montage package of (laughs) Regan's comments on the podcast from last week to the backing of Everybody Hurts by REM <laughs> in preparation that James Davies... Oh, was, no. Yeah, in preparation that James Davies was going to win, but credit where credit shooter to Regan, the highest score of the round, 1589. Some massive scores. Sicily at the back is an inspired pick. Caleb Daniel doing Caleb Daniel things, 106. Brennan Cox,
1: 155 points. Uh, just on that, have heard some quotes from uh, Hawthorne fans that Sicily may be moving to the forward line. Oh, uh, oh, in the coming weeks. So that may be something to keep an eye on. Don't tempt me with a
0: good time because I think one move from his, basically his captain option to the forward line may send this man into overdrive. May send this very <laughs> firming favorite villain of the year. You might've missed all the, the goings on of last night also, but he is wanting that title this year. And he already has probably two hands, <laughs> two hands on the award. <laughs> well done, Regan. Bad luck to James Davies, a really good performance. Uh, don't get used to scores in the high 1400s, Davies. I think that is a flash in the pan. 1-0 to Regan, Norton one to James Davies. Welcome back. Let's get into the next game. And JR, it is your game for the week. I'm not going to say too much about this. I'm going to get your input, but I will just read the score Sneaky jellyfishes thirteen sixty five defeat your team. The collective mind galaxy brains thirteen fifteen in another what I would describe as Ross Lyon esque fantasy game. Low scoring, high pressure, a <laughs> lot, lot of a uh, lot of team oriented performance. Not a lot of individual standouts. I'm going to throw over to you, and
1: you can take us through your thoughts on the game and your emotions throughout. Uh, so I, I was discussing the game uh, with uh my fellow coach adam schmidt on sunday and he pretty much provided a one sentence uh synopsis that really summed up the game there will be a winner but there are no winners (laughs) and that was the perfect description for this absolutely abhorrent game of fantasy 13 15 for myself is just a, a tragic score i think schmidt Very, uh, very happy to crab a win with a 13.65. I'm not overly concerned. Some of my lesser lights played quite well and I got a sum total of uh, 200 odd fantasy points out of my top four picks. (laughs) So hopefully it turned around and I I won't be looking at low 1300 scores, but yeah, it's probably not a great start to the year. (laughs) You messaged me
0: about how excited you were for Jaden Hunt uh, to be included <laughs> included in your team. And I said to you, he is so West Coast. He is one of the most West Coast people I've ever seen in my life. He, he should have been playing for West Coast for 10 years beforehand and then proceeded to drop a 48 for you. How do you feel about him now?
1: He's got one more week on the uh, wider <laughs> expanses um, of uh, the uh, concrete bowl in Perth. But, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't exactly what i was looking for what i will say about this game is i got off to an absolutely hot start but and by saturday afternoon uh i had both caden coleman and josh dunkley uh, at quarter time on about 40 odd points each fresh off harry sheaves was 130 or whatever it was fresh off jordan to go 120 the night before i was about to do a regan in the group <laughs> And say, just how great is my team looking? And I'm so fucking glad that I did it. (laughs) Well, I was going to keep this in-house, but I am
0: looking at a message from you on my screen right now from (laughs) Friday night. No, sorry, it was Saturday morning, apologies. Where you messaged me and said, if my team is good this year, which means that you think your team is good this year, I might be insufferable. (laughs) <laughs> and from that moment everything went downhill.
1: <laughs> oh mate, you yeah, you don't ever talk about how good your team is, and I should have known better because with a score of 13-15, it was garbage from there on out. <laughs> That's a thing, by the way.
0: Don't talk about how well your team's going, or don't talk about how well a certain player is going, because it's always going to come back to bite you. I'm not a I'm not a big karma or a big um, you know, uh, superstitious sort of man. But B will message me when Zach Guthrie was on about 40 points just after quarter time on uh, Friday night, and he goes, oh, Guthrie going all right. Proceeded to drop a 60-something. I could not have been more mad at him. (laughs) (laughs) Good work from Adam Schmidt with a few big scores uh, from some likely and unlikely players, depending how you want to look at it. Mason Redmond 110. I think that could sort of be... His ceiling now, and I think his floor is that sort of mid-80s, so that's pretty reasonable considering Ed Richards, Blakey, nice scores. Also, the issue for Schmidt is, and was pointed out in the preseason, there is no captain option in this team, to the point where besides Redmond, who you're not going to put the C on, there was no player that dropped 100 for him, and I think that is going to be an issue long term.
1: Redmond might be the captain. I, I don't mind Redmond. He seemed to score quite highly at the back end of last year, from from memory. Mason Redmond is the most you choice for a captain ever. <laughs> there, there was a point a couple of years ago where where Jono and I were often watching and were like, Redmond, he's the poor man's Ridley, but he might be better than Ridley now. So I don't know. I, you could win me over with a with a Mason Redmond uh, captaincy choice. <laughs> Adam Schmidt goes to 1-0, you go to Norton
0: one and we move on to next week. Okay, next game is another one to forget for one person in particular. Poor Adam Leach. The hopes, the dreams, the expectations, everything that was built up in preseason came crashing down in one Ed Sheeran-related injury on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Stewart going off in the first quarter on 16 as his vice-captain was devastating for the man, but I'm going to just put this out there. Even with Tom Stewart going down, this is an atrocious score, and I'm sorry, Peachy, but this is not a a score that, uh, I guess, instills pride in your organization and your fan base. The score of this game from Adam Leach was 12-27, Twelve twenty-seven defeated by the Wooden Spooners fourteen
1: hundred. Anything stand out for you? Just the the, the low score. I, I I admit I didn't really follow this game particularly closely, but seeing the final score on on Sunday evening when I looked, I was like, can that be right? Twelve twenty-seven for a man that was you know talked about as a likely finalist this year. I, I was flabbergasted. What what went like obviously the Tom Stewart injury was less than ideal, but still, gee whiz, what, what happened?
0: Looking on his bench, he has still got Jared Lyons there, who could be an inspired mistake of a pick if he comes into the team. And if he doesn't, then that is going to be an issue. Travis Boat was a laid out, that doesn't help. But he did have like Jack Bytel is on the bench with an eighty-five, and he elected to go with Dev Robinson thirty-three <laughs> instead. I think there is part blame on injuries and part blame on coach here. So learn from this, Leachy. You're a developing coach in the league. We might put you up with a mentor and uh, a former premier, maybe Norman, if you can deal with him, which not many people can. But we'll we'll get you some support and we'll we'll improve we'll improve your coaching practice over time. On the flip side, we have Jared Presbury, 1,400. Bit of a, yeah, middle-of-the-road score for this round for him. Great performance from Nick Dacos. I was concerned that if Dacos gets any sort of tag, he's in trouble. He didn't on Friday night, to be fair, and ran an absolute muck. Daniel Rioli with 1,08. To be honest with you, this score from Presbury isn't too bad, and there's probably a few players that actually underperformed. So I know that uh, I lambasted him in the over-under podcast about how terrible his team is, it might not be as bad as what I first thought. So I might put my hand up there, especially when you've got Hugh McCluggage, my boy dropping a 55. I think there's room for improvement.
1: Yeah, I, I remember looking at, at Presbury's team before the season and thinking if, if things went right, that, uh, yeah, it could be pretty competitive. So, yeah, not, uh, not surprised that his team maybe did better than expected. Leachy's team go to
0: Norton one and are in absolute all sorts. Leachie, stay strong. There are going to be some vultures coming for your team very, very shortly. And I am very aware of how quickly you can cave to trade talk, including from myself as I was in your inbox yesterday. So well done in saying no to me. But just be careful because there are some uh, much worse people out there than
1: me. I was going to say, how quick do you reckon it took? Uh, how, how quick do you reckon Norman was in Leachy's inbox on uh, Sunday evening? I gave
0: Leechy the, the night to process, but I was in his inbox at 8am Monday morning, so I, I don't think Norman, <laughs> Norman, would, Norman would have given him that time. <laughs> the wooden spoon has moved to 1-0, and and that is a nice result from a team that finished outside the eight. I would like to see some improvement, but I think that there's enough there to know that he'll be competitive this year. So well done, Presbury. The next game... And I'll be honest with you, I didn't realise this was such a rivalry until you mentioned it last week, and you might have manufactured some of it about how much they hate each other. But then this game took place, and once again, I'm in a private group chat with Lockie Norman, and you have never seen anybody so frustrated at (laughs) another person's fantasy football team. Every (laughs) second message... Cozzy Pickett's done this, Cozy Pickett's done that.
2: <laughs> what the fuck, Luke Chewy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you, you obviously had a, a lot of interaction with Lockie Norman over the weekend. And, and I, I was with uh, Jono on uh, Sunday afternoon. And this was a man you've never seen anyone so delighted with a round one win to silence the haters, to silence the incessant arrogance of uh, Lockie Norman, this man was delighted. He was singing his own praises like you would not believe. (laughs) He was a man uh, that was incredibly content with life. Did he throw a few barbs at you because you were one of his staunchest critics on the podcast? No, he didn't. I I do remember being very complimentary of his uh, defence and forward line, both of which uh, scored incredibly well. I wasn't sure about the midfield and I'm still not sure that, you know, come the middle of the year that, you know, there won't be a a rash of injuries to some very old players in that midfield. That's probably my concern going forward, but I guess if he gets them all on the park uh, on a week to week basis, it it does look like it will be a very, uh, very solid team. I should
0: probably read the score at this stage because I just realized that we (laughs) have immediately (laughs) got into their rivalry without actually telling you the result of this game. (laughs) James heard Unity, fifteen thirty eight loses to Magic Mike fifteen ninety one two of the highest scores from the weekend. What a game! It was really really good to see that Lockie Norm was posting a good score again. That's not true. Nobody actually wants that to happen. Um, I'm disappointed with some of his, uh, I guess, lesser known players going big. That concerns me for the year because I do not need him to be competitive again. I know for you personally, Lewis Young dropping an 88 was just a dagger to your heart.
1: I love Lewis Young. Uh, he could be on for some really big scores this year.
0: Once again, I'm, I'm just detailing everybody's private messages to me and I don't really care at this stage, but you, <laughs> you messaged me on Thursday night going, this hurts so much seeing Lewis Young <laughs> drop this score in Lockie Norman colours <laughs> <laughs>
1: or something along those lines. It's it. I, I nearly turned it off. <laughs> I couldn't watch.
0: Mad Jacks moved to 1-0. Lockie Norman, reigning premier, goes to Norton One, and it's not time for panic stations just yet. But with a Lockie Whitfield injury, and <laughs> I can see you doing the Norton One <laughs> on the Zoom. <laughs> I'm very, very happy <laughs> with that result, Jr. And with Callum Mills not dropping uh, the score that probably Lockie intended him to, I think there's a, there's at least a person hovering around the alarm bell button, not not pressing it just yet, but there's a there's a concern there.
1: Uh, do we know who Lockie plays next week? Lockie plays
0: the 1-0 Alex's team next week, who dropped a pretty impressive score this round.
2: Ooh,
1: ooh. imagine 0-2 and two for the uh, reigning Premier.
0: That's celebration style. Uh, <laughs> group chat pile on, I think, if that happens. And <laughs> I will potentially be leading the charge. If not, I'll be playing a very, very high-ranking second fiddle. <laughs> Excellent. We we have to move on to the next game. The next game is Jake Dean Ashenden versus John Maddison in another blockbuster of a game. High scoring. Jake 1564 defeating John 1558. This game went down to the wire. I know you, you said that you weren't following the game Sunday afternoon. Dean was nervous. It was uh from memory, Josh Battle versus Luke Ryan in the last game. Josh Battle doing what he normally does around that 70 mark. Luke Ryan, if you can have a look at that score right now, 160. This game was dead heading into the last game, and John brought it back to within basically a, a kick and a mark, and that's all that was required to at least tie the game. John proving the uh, the pundits right in preseason who predicted that his team would be pretty handy. Some nice scores all across the board. And that includes a Rory lob twenty seven uh, to take into account. So, if he goes to anywhere near a normal score, that would be a mammoth total, potentially even touching sixteen hundred. But we got to go and look at the winner of this game, Jake Dean Ashton. His midfield, as I alluded to, is elite. Clayton Oliver, LDU, Noah Anderson, Chad Warner, even Gaffy performing, and Josh Ward, who would be probably one of the best fantasy players in the game at some stage, dropping a one hundred and four. Anything stick out to you besides the midfield in this game, JR? Uh,
1: no, this, this result didn't surprise me. I, I feel like I was the biggest proponent of uh, uh, you know Keefe's team being good in the over-under podcast, and I am not surprised that he dropped a very high score, and as a former Premier, he looks to be very competitive again.
0: Another man who went through a rollercoaster of emotions – in the group chat when he dropped Will hoskin Elliott, who dropped a 70-something for a Sarva Radigalia, you've never seen a man more down <laughs> until Luke Davies' UNIAC played and dropped a 110. So it just goes <laughs> to prove that fantasy is a roller coaster of emotions and if you're not prepared to experience them all, then don't be in this league.
1: How do you think uh, John took uh, the loss having scored 15-58? Well, nobody's heard from him once again. So he, he could be miserable, <laughs> he could be
0: happy with his team's performance. He might not even know he's played a fantasy game this week. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> Someone let him know, please.
0: A standout for me here, by the way, is Jack Zebel up forward who actually played down back for North Melbourne and was in his normal role. That could be an inspired pick at, I think it was maybe even in the 200s potentially, maybe, maybe high 100s at the absolute latest, but... A really nice pickup of that eventuates for Dean. Well done, Dean. You go to 1 0. John, very unlucky to be Norton 1, but I don't think you'll be there for very long. The final game of the round. I have some very strong thoughts on this game, and I'm so excited that <laughs> it was last on the list, so I can end on it. Danger Club Stasi, 14 41, loses. That is right, loses to 15 23, Alex's team. Where, oh, where to begin with this game? Let's start with this, JR. How long do you play Fantasy for?
1: As in, like, quadruple AFL Fantasy or just Fantasy in general?
0: Well, quadruple AFL is five years, but Fantasy in general, how long?
1: Uh, on and off, like, some years, yes, yeah, some years, no. Probably since, you know, oh, the mid-2000s, like 2005, five, six, probably in that range. In your time, have you ever seen
0: the tactic of putting your captain and your vice-captain in the same game? <laughs> In the same game, but it to pay off and pay off with a winning performance.
1: I have not, but it really shows the confidence that Alex had that he would roll over uh, the Danger Club of uh, Stasi very comfortably. So he almost thought, I will take the absolute piss while doing so, and it worked out for him. It's almost an arrogant performance, and I'm so here for it. <laughs> they were both
0: going at each other on Saturday night because I think Alex didn't realize that you can loophole in this league and he was confused why Stasi had the C on Paul Seedsman who wasn't playing and then Stasi was giving him a a rebuttal around the vice-captain and captaincy choice and in the end, none of it mattered because Alex rolled in quite comfortably.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a story.
0: What is a story is, once again, looking at Stasi's team, one player, and to be fair, a really, really good pickup, up, uh, potentially at uh, pick 20, if it does all work out, Max Gorn, was the only player in Stasi's team to drop 100. Now, Rory Laird had a terrible game. Carl Amon had a terrible game. George Hill was only one point away. But do you think there's alarm bells at the Danger Club headquarters
1: right now? Alarm bells... Maybe putting it too strongly, but I think for a man who came into this year incredibly confident off the back of a rebrand, he said he was gonna go back to, to being the villain of the league. It's pretty tough to to really embrace being a villain in the bottom half of the ladder. So I think not alarm bells, but an incredible amount of concern. Gee, I think what did Roy Laird score? Uh I'll like repeat 50? I'll repeat that. Fifty nine. 59, that is incredibly concerning. Just a shout out to Stassi also
0: who runs our uh, quadruple AFL Twitter page and hasn't posted in a week despite the rounds beginning and (laughs) two podcasts being dropped in that time. (laughs) And when I queried him about it, seeing if he needed support, said, yeah, I don't have the time. And then 20 seconds later, messaged the group and produced a stat that I don't even know how he would have found without doing detailed research being that only three players in the whole of the AFL dropped a 50-point quarter throughout the round and they all play for Alex's team, which is an impressive stat. But
1: if you've got time to fucking do that, can you, just at, least, <laughs> can you, can you at least post some content for us? Uh, yeah, they are the actions of a man in crisis.
0: <laughs> really quick discussion on Alex's team. I said in the podcast that I really liked his defense and that stood up. Big time over the weekend. Jake Lloyd and Jordan Ridley are inspired picks. Jack Sinclair probably underperforming that game, to be fair. His midfield, Will field. I don't think 124 is sustainable, but I think he'll be better than what his average from last year at Carlton led on. Uh, forward line was terrible, but most people have a terrible forward line. Tim English in Ruck, 123, fantastic. What's the over-under? You're not Norm bet. Well, What is the over-under weeks total that uh, tim english would move his way to Lockie's team
1: oh i would have i would have thought about six and a half
0: i'm gonna go even less i'll say three and a half weeks i think Loki will sell the farm <laughs> will sell the farm to get his man so well done alex you are one and oh starcy you are norton and one and you are in all sorts of trouble we are going to take a break and we are going to come back with a new segment Welcome back. Time for a new segment. And I have to give props to Michael Johnson, who last Sunday voice messaged me this idea. And it's taken a slightly different iteration since then, but the the crux of the idea is his. So thank you, Jono, for that. And like I said last week on the pod, more voice messages, not just from Jono, but everybody in the group. Voice messages are are far better than text. So more of that, please. Jono voice messaged me and said, "JR." Loves niche players. He loves weird picks. And we, we all agree with that. And JR, I think you yourself would probably agree with that. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love a niche weirdo. You've done well this year not to go too weird, but there is elements of that yeah, within your team. We're going to run with a segment called JR's niche weirdo of the week. And that is because I cannot think of another title for <laughs> for, for that. <laughs> And the idea is JR is going to select one player who has played throughout the round, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a player that is uh, allocated to one of our fantasy teams. It could just be anybody within the AFL that JR deems as being a niche weirdo, and we're going to have a bit of a discussion about him. And I'm excited because there is a lot of weird players getting a gig round one. It's that it's that time of the year where you're sort of testing out a few new people before they go and live in the VFL for the next three years, and one player in particular has caught your attention this week, JR. And can you give me a bit of a background uh, piece of information on who this player is and what they're doing at their
1: club? I can. You're correct. I definitely love a niche weirdo. And uh, particularly if there's a good story to go with it. Like, so I know we've got great stories, which are their own sort of particular subsection, but I would describe this week's niche weirdo as a good story. Uh, he was probably not looking at playing any sort of level of decent football this year, but uh, he rolled out for a uh, match sim session at uh, St. Kilda training during the preseason. And apparently was so phenomenal that they decided, no, we must have this man. We're going to sign him on the spot. And then not only did they sign him on the spot, things went his way with uh, injuries to players that play in his position And he wheeled out for St. Kilda in round one. He is the one, the only Anthony (laughs) Caminiti, Caminiti, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. That's how new she is. Um, But he played on the weekend at full forward for St. Kilda. And uh, so shout out to him, an incredible achievement for him and his family. Probably not particularly fantasy relevant at the moment, but uh, I wanted to shout him out anyway. He was apparently going to be spending this year doing an engineering degree and waiting tables at a couple of steak restaurants. So his life has changed immeasurably. So shout out to him.
0: I don't know what you mean by not fantasy relevant as he drops a 29 uh, (laughs) score on four (laughs) kicks, five (laughs) handballs, two marks, and one free kick against Anthony (laughs) Kaminity. Can we have confirmation on his name, please? I can't keep saying that man's name. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think Kevin Kamen, He's it's Anthony. Kamenidi. He's Anthony for now.
0: That is a man, by the <laughs> yeah, way, yeah. that uh, Ross Lyon would absolutely love
1: because he's got guts. He's come. <laughs> <laughs> he's come out and he's rolled around with the big boys and he's earned his shot in the team. I would just like to shout out the that there is multiple players in this game that he has outscored. Yeah, he he definitely wasn't worst on ground, so he might uh he might get a uh, another game this week for. For anyone looking to add to their very thin forward line, um, there's probably maybe a 30 to 40 score on on the line. So if anyone would like to add him to their team this week, he is available. You may want to use an RFA because I may be gunning for him. He <laughs> stole the
0: he stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to uh, say we are not too far away from RFA's being released, and it would not surprise me if you go down to the bottom of the RFA order and Anthony Community is in your team very, very quickly. <laughs> All
1: right. Let's... So yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Anthony. He is the inaugural uh, niche weirdo of the week. We have to move on. Let's keep going.
0: It is time for our tips for round two. I am excited because we actually have a data set to work off of now, and it might not be the most accurate data set when you've got James Davies free agents dropping 120s for fun, <laughs> but at least it's, it's something to work with for the week. Let's start at the top, and as usual, it will be my team being the commissioner as the first place game the Revolving Doors play the 1-0 Gina Grinehart. I'm going to present this to you without comment to begin with, and then I'll offer my tip for our game.
1: Looking at this game, I'm going to back you in. I think that you willed out a very uh, reasonable score given some of the selection duress you are under. Hopefully, for your sake, that uh, will ease a little bit this week. And you'll have a bit less stress getting a team on the park. I am going to back you in over the Grindharts, who I think could get ahead of themselves after a uh, long period of celebration after a round one win. At the risk of sounding arrogant, I think I
0: win this game. And. Grady, we have an alliance and there's nothing against your team, but I surprised myself with how competitive my team was last week. I think the Holy Trinity in Andrew Brayshaw, Took Miller and Jordan Dawson will get me uh, quite a few points each week. So I don't, unless one of them goes down, which let's be honest, probably will happen at one stage. I think I can at least be semi-competitive in most games. I was happy with the performance of a few other players. Otis's name is actually in the process of being legally changed to Took Miller. So I'm very excited for that. (laughs) Uh, I think I win this week and I am happy to eat humble pie if that does not happen. So both of us tipping myself for this week. Next game is Rainy Your Parade, Christian Economou versus Regan Mastrangello. <laughs> this is exciting. I didn't realize that this game was next. I would have pumped it up more if I had looked at the fixtures properly and worked out what order they were in.
1: This is massive, JR. This is huge. This was the the match that caught my eye. Both of very strong performances. The hatred has had an off-season to, to simmer and grow gee this is a genuine hate like we built up Jono and and Lockie as you know you know as as a bit of a a hateful sort of matchup but this could be that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek this is a genuine hate like this is this could be the number one rivalry in the league like this will be toxic the group chat will be absolutely toxic this week and I cannot wait for the barbs to start flying Chaos merchant
0: Regan has actually messaged Echo in the group yesterday asking him to stoke the flames of the rivalry and make it more toxic <laughs> <laughs> make it more toxic before the game. What wasn't considered before last night is that the the weight of expectation on Echo from the rest of the league who now want Regan to lose this game because of some of his behavior uh, wasn't there previous. So Echo now has probably at least 14 others behind him in this group and Regan, like I mentioned earlier, is firming quite quickly for Villain of the Year in saying that I cannot go past the score that Regan dropped on the weekend, and I very reluctantly think he will beat Echo this week, despite the praise I also heaped on Echo's team earlier on.
1: I think uh, I've also tipped Echo for the flag, but it's hard to go past the, uh, the nearly 1,600 score that Regan rolled out. On the weekend, so I will also tip Regan. Not by a lot, but hopefully this will pile the pressure on him, the pressure and the expectation, and he will crumble. That is what I'm hoping for. But it, uh, I am going to tip him to win. I anticipate that Regan might have a sick day on Monday, just because of the
0: stress <laughs> that the weekend just gone has caused him from almost losing to Davies, <laughs> and a loss to Echo may send him over the edge. So get your get your forms ready, Regan. I think you'll be having the day off on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Next game is yourself, junior I'll present this before you uh, talk about what you think will happen. You have the naught and one Collie Wobbles, and yourself, you are naught and one, I should also say. I think and this is actually more tough to pick than I realize, but just going back through your scores from the previous week, you had some highly underperforming players, like very underperforming. And that's not to say B-Will hasn't, but I'm noticing at the moment he has got Aaron Hall slotted in his defence and I'm deeply concerned that 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 may need to change uh, Thursday night. I'm going to tip you, not comfortably, but I think you have enough to beat the Collie Wobbles this week. B-Will, do not panic if your team goes naught and do. I cannot stress this enough. This is not throw the toys out the (laughs) cot. You have something to work with there. It's just that there's a couple of results that haven't gone your way, if that's the case.
1: Yeah, I'm also going to tip myself on the back of some incredibly underperforming, generally really reliable uh, fantasy players. I think if they underperform again this week, I am in real fucking trouble. But I am going to give them one more week to pull their fingers out before I lose faith completely. So I will tip myself, not with a great degree of confidence, but I have to back myself in.
0: Next game is the sprightly James Davies versus the Wooden Spooners. I have to say that I can't remember what I said in the group, but it warranted a reaction from Davies to post his score, which was uh, greater than mine over the weekend. And I said, I will eat my hat if he goes above 1485 this week. And I will stand by that. There is no way that the scores that he produced will be sustainable. I think that although the Spooners didn't put up the best score, I think there's a few players that could improve, and I think he comfortably puts away James Davies this week and moves to 2-0, the 2-0 Spooners.
1: Yeah, unexpected. I also anticipate that will happen. I cannot see uh, James Davies' team getting anywhere near that score this week. A flash in the pan, surely. Next game is
0: the Sneaky Jellyfishers, Adam Schmidt versus Mad Jack Mike, Michael Johnson. I know you have some strong thoughts on uh, Jono's team after the weekend, after your uh, hate campaign over the preseason uh, against <laughs> against him. I am tipping Jono this game. I think that there is, like I mentioned, some serious captaincy options at the Jellyfishers. And it's not that there are players that can't score in the hundreds for him. It's just knowing who to pick on a week-to-week basis and getting that wrong is quite a high probability. So I'm going the Mad Jacks against Sneaky Jellyfish.
1: I am also going the Mad Jacks. You really can't tip against a team that rolled out that sort of score. I think there's always the possibility that you know he'll eat an injury or two to some of those old boys in the midfield on a week-to-week basis, but you can't really tip based on that. I also think Schmidt's team... Will be better than uh, probably people giving it credit for. He did eat a two from Harry Perryman last weekend, which is a a bad injury because I, I thought Harry Perryman would uh, score quite well. I think his team's better than expected. He like he's never going to have a lot of bad scores, but I yeah I don't think he will get particularly close to Jono this week. I'm going to be so firmly in
0: Schmidt's inbox at the end of this round that it's not even, I've already, I've already drafted the message. So I know exactly what I'm going to say. And the the result hasn't even happened yet. So Schmidt, I look forward to talking to you Sunday night. Next game is Adam Leach versus John Madison's. I am quite confident here. Once again, that John has shown enough, both teams are Norton one, but for very different reasons, I am so confident in this game that it could be a bloodbath. There is a, very high probability that the dyslexics may not even score as high as James Davies this week with Tom Stewart out and the score that he posted last week. I will say John wins this game and I'm going to say it'll be at least 200 points, which is a big call. Sorry, Leechy, Don't hold that against me.
1: Yeah. I'm also tipping John and, that, and that's quite an easy decision based on last week, but let me, let us just project forward to this game having been played and either at the end of it, Adam Leach could be 0-2, having suffered two quite poor losses and bottom of the ladder, having been projected as a likely finalist. But on the flip side, if he pulls out something remarkable Mm. and rolls over league favourite John Madison's this week, John himself will be 0-2, probably Mm. having scored two quite good scores and he could be absolutely despondent at that point. So this is a low key, massive game for wildly different reasons, but I'm looking forward to this one.
0: I don't want to make you uh, too up and about, but the thought of John and Lockie going and
1: 2 together, <laughs> how happy does that make then you? Then hopefully, oh, I hope they do. And I hope they play each other next week. <laughs> <laughs> is Norton three. That's season. almost the perfect scenario. Is Norton three
0: season over? Or do you think that with the extra round, there's enough games to claw that back? Oh,
1: uh, you can claw it back, but like you're just on the back foot. I think it depends who goes 0 3. Like I'd say they have two quite competitive teams. They could claw it back, but fuck, it is a long way to come back. Like you eat a couple of injuries or something at that point. You, you might be fucked. Like.
0: Next game is Lockheed Norman versus Alex's team. Interesting because. Nobody, like we said, expected the Herds to go 0-1 and not a lot of people expected Alex to go 1-0 and to begin the season. I'm looking at Lockie's team now. He's actually got Christian Salem slotted into his team. There was talks that he might be back this week, but coming off a, a thyroid issue and not being able to train as, uh, as much of a preseason as what he wanted, I would assume that he would have to have a run in the VFL.
1: Would you say that's absolute panic stations? A panic stations move from Lockie to after one loss, uh, immediately slide back in someone that uh, hasn't had a functional thyroid, uh, which uh, to my limited medical understanding is probably not great uh, for your prospects to perform at the highest level as a professional athlete. Like I mentioned earlier with a couple of teams,
0: the alarm bells not hit. But they're hovering near the button. They're they're looking to put. They're looking to push it very very shortly. And I think Norton to Norman. Stop stop making me stop making me smile. Just, just I need to stop right now. So uh, in saying that, I do think that uh, potentially Alex's score was a red herring yesterday. And I think that oh sorry not yesterday on the weekend. And I think that Lockie. Still scored quite highly and I think that he has enough here to uh, put a win on the board and go to one and one. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, as much as the uh, possibility of Lockie going 0-2 puts a smile on everyone's face, uh, I think he will get the chocolates in this game.
0: When you said Lockie Norton 2 I actually heard birds chirping outside and the sunshine came out.
1: (laughs) Well, it's just a better place.
0: Last game of the round, as we... Flick through to this game, your mouth just opened and your jaw dropped because (laughs) speaking about potential 0-2 teams, Danger Club's Stasi Dimku faces a red-hot, roaring, ready-to-go Keefies on the back of a massive score, which signals danger for the Danger Club, if you wouldn't mind.
1: What are your thoughts heading into this game? My thoughts heading into this game are that Danger Club could be renamed to In Danger Club uh, to basically uh, reflect uh, the situation that their coach finds himself in. And that is he is in grave danger of potentially losing his job. I don't know. But the expectations on this team were sky high. And geez, if he slips to 0-2, which I believe that he will against a very strong uh, outfit that the Keefies are... Gee, he he could be in all sorts.
0: I'm looking through Dean's team right now, and keep in mind it was a massive, massive score from him last week. He still has Mitch Duncan to come back in and slot into his defense, and there is a little chatter around that potentially happen, happening this week. I'm going to say that this is going to be a comfortable win for Dean, and that means the Danger Club will be 0-2 and in all sorts. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely going for the Keefies. This is a huge game for Stasi. A must win, has to win, has to find something. Uh, So it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Definitely, yeah, I reckon my second or third favourite game of this round. It's hard
0: not to have a favourite game in the quadruple AFL, the best fantasy league in Australia. We're going to take a break and we will be back to wrap up. That's about all we have time for for today a shorter podcast jr we said last week would be shorter and we completely lied on the back of the uh, over under podcast of the week before so I'm glad that we managed to wrap this up in hopefully when we edit it around 50 minutes to an hour I have to probably uh, for the <laughs> for the sake of fair and balanced reporting which as you know we value highly on this uh, <laughs> on this media platform. <laughs> We've spoken about uh, several teams: John, Norman, Stasi going Norton two to begin the year. (laughs) There is every possibility, possibility (laughs) that both you and I start Norton two as well. Uh,
1: And I would say, possibly even shifting from possibility to probability, and it is much more likely that you and I both go uh, zero and two than it is that any of the aforementioned teams that we've potted. Go 0-2, uh, go so that is uh, definitely something to watch. The difference, our teams might stink. <laughs>
0: the, the difference between uh, them and us, though, is that they don't have a uh, wide-ranging listening audience to pile on <laughs> each week. So it doesn't matter if we go Norton 2 because, like I've mentioned in the podcast, we control the narrative and all the pressure is on them.
1: <laughs> Absolutely correct. And with our uh, 50 to 60 listens each week, uh, we are growing by the week we're going to have to get sponsors on that aren't norm bet and Qantas frequent Fly-
0: <laughs> for frequent flyer points that don't know they're sponsoring us <laughs>
1: so if anyone's got a, uh, a business out there that they'd like to plug yeah let us know where we're more than happy to oblige and i'm going to put a special shout out to the cumberland arms hotel who
0: have looked after us a few times if you <laughs> if, if you want to come on board as an as an official sponsor
1: you know my number it's uh it's saved under nerd fantasy man Um, But if you also don't want to come on as an official sponsor in terms of giving us money, we would also plug you if you improve the air conditioning in the function rooms upstairs. So that would also be acceptable.
0: I don't need to see Norman a sweaty hot mess ever
1: ever again in my life. (laughs) Well, that could be exactly what he may be by next Sunday evening. Because all the pressure's on him, not us. (laughs) Correct that is all we have time for
0: thank you for your time jr we will see you next week have a good week and good luck for your hopefully not norton two team this week <laughs>
1: uh, yeah thanks mate and i also echo those sentiments to you uh i feel like there is every probability that we when we catch up again next week that we will both be zero and two and in a world of trouble <laughs>
0: Bonus podcast content. Something I didn't think we'd get done tonight, but had a few messages from this man throughout the week, wanting to get on the podcast and broadcast his now one and O team, which he has never been able to say in this league previously. He is the man that everybody is wanting a piece of at the moment. The good luck story, the feel good story of the Quadruple AFL. I am joined by a very sweaty post gym Grady Hard. Grady, how are you today?
2: uh very well thank you dylan thank you for having me on um as we talked about before the show i did have it pinned I, i had the had the confidence to pin my own message saying that uh if i won round one that you'd get me on the show uh and i'm glad you've held up your end of the bargain because i held up mine on the weekend i've got a uh she's not
0: unhappy but i would say a, a very hungry wife to my right at the moment and i've made her turn off the tv be quiet and wait for dinner while <laughs> we conduct this podcast so that is the level of pull you currently have in the league ready
2: <laughs> i should say as well i've got my famous burrito bowl ready for me uh after this as well so yeah uh, i got the guac ready so it should be good
0: is that a burrito bowl with extra protein i've noticed that you're quite sweaty like i mentioned from the gym how is bodybuilding going
2: anyway uh, going well, mate. Um, like I said, not as sweaty as what I was at about four thirty, five o'clock on Sunday when uh, Zach Merritt <laughs> broke the tag and started uh, getting off the chain. Um, that was quite sweaty, but no, uh, feeling good, feeling good. Um, excited to be on the podcast.
0: All right, let's get into the round then because like I mentioned at the top, you are 1-0. You are in uncharted territory as we discussed uh, prior to recording. This is... Just unheard of, we have a, not just yourself, but a bunch of people who have started the league pretty uh, well in a very strong position compared to last year, and none more so than you. First of all, how excited were you to get the win over the weekend?
2: Oh, pumped. Absolutely buzzing. Um, you feel bad against, a B, I guess, against B-Wheel. Um, everyone loves B-Wheel. So yeah, no, it was, honestly, I'm still speechless, to be honest. I'm, I'm still um, pinching myself that I'm 1-0 starting the year <laughs> after being... Pretty much 0-16 oh, up until late last year. So, Just for uh,
0: your knowledge and for the rest of the league's knowledge, on Sunday night, Bieber was driving back from, I'm assuming, a family dinner or some sort of arrangement, and he, he messaged uh, mine and Dean's private group and said something along the lines of, I'm fighting some demons tonight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I mean, I think we all were. I mean, I was fighting a lot of head demons from last year, really. I really didn't know how round one was going to go. I actually felt very stressed going through this, into this week. I felt super stressed going into the draft. Um, that kind of expectation of being staring down back to back spoons is something that no one ever wants. So, yeah, this week had a lot riding on it.
0: I will say that, and this is on the back of James Davies' uh, draft performance over the draft weekend. But you would have had a very similar drafting performance the previous year. So the only way was up. So you say that there was pressure on you, but I feel like that the pressure was alleviated because it could not be possible to make as many, and I'm, I apologize for doing this to you as a uh, very um, welcome guest in the podcast, but as many terrible picks as what you made last year.
2: See, I didn't think my draft was too bad. It was just the fact that I blew my team up within three rounds, um, trading out. Jack McRae last year for Cripps, who then got injured. Um, Tim Kelly for Lockie Hunter, who then went on mental health leave for the whole year. So, I mean, I, I didn't feel that I drafted too bad last year. Um, it was just the horrific trading that I got sucked into early that really blew things up, which is why I'm a little bit gun-shy on the trading early this year. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more sensible and just kind of seeing how the cards fall. Um, and I mean, when you want to know, you've got a winning team, why do you need to make changes? So...
0: The only, uh, I guess, mistake that I could really point to from last year from yourself outside of a bit of bad luck was uh, the well-known uh, fascination that you have with Tom Phillips and the, <laughs> the length of time you kept him on your list despite not playing any comment on that.
2: Well, first of all, you know, rest in peace, Tom. Um, one of the absolute <laughs> just favourite sons of the now rebranded Grindharts, I should say, the 9 is last year and no more um, and probably buried with Tom Phillips and rightly so. Um, yeah, look, not one of my best draft moments. Um, I guess got sucked into the fact he was averaging around 120 over the previous season, and instead Mitchell had other ideas for him. Uh, so, yeah, look, I'm not looking back, Dylan. I'm looking forward. Uh, <laughs> it's a good start to the season, and I think my midfield's a lot better this year than it was last year. We spoke about
0: will fi- uh, fighting some demons on the way home. Uh, the other night, you're going to have to fight some demons in the ask me anything section because you mentioned not, (laughs) not looking backwards and only looking forwards. Well, a lot of the questions that I've got were around your performance last year. So we might need to hold up a mirror and then we can move on after this. Consider this, uh, as I put it in the group earlier this week, consider this therapy and this is your chance to uh, cleanse your soul of (laughs) of Any of of the issues that you've had previously. I spoke with JR earlier about uh, the general round review and, we had a look at your game and I pumped myself up because, as you would be aware as an avid podcast listener, Grady, I actually tipped you last week, which I'm uh, pretty thrilled about that I got that correct. So thanks for proving me right. But I want to ask you, from a coach's perspective, and obviously we'll give our best and fairest out at the end of the year, who was your three, two, one from your team over the weekend?
2: Uh, sure. Well, I guess, yeah, firstly, thank you for tipping me. Um, not a lot of the boys had a lot of confidence in me, so I'm, I'm thankful that you did, Dylan. <laughs> Um, definitely my three votes goes to Toby Nankervis. Mm. Uh, I was that close to V-seeing him on, on the Thursday night, um, against the young Tom DeConing. Didn't. And I thought that was going to come back and bite me. But, um, yeah, Nank's certainly the three votes for me. Um, Baz Smith as captain. 96 wasn't, you know, his usual self, but probably enough to get, um, to get me over the line. Even though there was a very tight moment there with Cozzy Pickett laying him out, um, which, as I put in the chat, my arsehole tightened so much <laughs> that I couldn't feel my toes, um, <laughs> especially with the cutaway right. that they did there as well. I, just, I thought he was dead, and I thought that was my round over. So the fact that you know Baz got back up and, and played out the game, it's always my favourite. Um, and probably Todd Marshall, I would mm-hmm. say, a vote in there as well. Uh, came alive really in that second half um, when the power were feasting on the Lions, Carcass uh, kicked a few, and those extra points for goals as well certainly helps. So yeah, that's my three, two, one. And then Gavus Smith and Marshall.
0: Now, Grady, earlier this week, I asked once we realised that you may be on the podcast, I asked the Fantasy Fraternity to send me in their "Ask Me Anything" questions. This was a hugely popular segment last week with uh, James Davies, who came out swinging. I don't know if you heard, but he was an aggressive man. Ready to defend his team before a ball would even bounce and was almost proven right. Almost got the win over your very good friend in Regan Mastrangelo. But I have a few questions in front of me. I'm not going to ask them in order. So I'm trying to work out what might be the best one.
2: Yeah. And I guess, in answer to your question, Dylan, yes, I did listen to the pod last week, as everyone did. And I did hear Davies throwing shade left, right, and center, which is, you know, it's quite funny from where I sit, considering he was my first scout last year. He's effectively my bunny. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure the shade that he was throwing my way, considering he doesn't doesn't have a lot to back it up with at the moment. So well, happy this, to return serve if the opportunity presents itself.
0: This is going to lead very well into my first question then, because I was tossing up between this one or another one, but I'm going to ask you: What made you happier last year? Was it the cat's flag or was it your win over Davies?
2: Uh, I was the, ecstatic the, for the, both. The fact, um, you,
0: the fact you even I, have to think I, about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll put it this way: I felt the same going to both games, fully confident they were going to win. So, uh, I mean, when you know the game's over before the first ball's bounce, it kind of dulls the celebrations a little bit. Um, but I have to say, I mean, Geelong was sweet. I've been a bit sport for choice with the Cats over the over the past fifteen years. So, you know, four premierships. um, Getting a first win over Davies, I'd say, probably took the icing on the cake. I've got to be honest. I'm going to ask you this
0: next question, and then I want you to first of all guess who it came from, and then you can answer the question. This is how it's written as well. Grady, despite a self-professed belief you know your footy, why are you continually underprepared for each fantasy season?
2: Well, I can only assume that's from the footy Noel himself, the footy god Regan Mestrangelo. Uh, it, it oozes of Italian arrogance. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that one to notice from Regan. Um, look, I'll be the first to admit that last year I didn't have a great prep going into, into the fantasy season. Uh, as well documented, I had a wedding coming up. Uh, you know, the COVID restrictions, I was focused on knocking off the Port Adelaide AFL boys in the T20 grand final, which, which we did, did Yeah, well uh, done. which we did. I would like to note, um, scoring a fantastic zero off one ball myself. All that prepared. Who got you out? Who uh, got you out? Who did get me out? Oh, Ollie Wines took the catch, took an absolute blinding catch, running back um, over his shoulder in absolute swirling wind down at Grange, ran about 100 metres to catch it over his shoulder. Just sky, you know, sky to top edge down to third man. Um, and it was unbelievable watching those boys play. You, know, you can tell that the athletes, when they're running around on an amateur cricket field, just diving around, it was yeah, pretty impressive.
0: As a um, non-Port Adelaide fan, there is nothing I want to see more than, like what, a week out from the season than my AFL uh, nemesis team just diving all over, probably a pothole-infested <laughs> cricket pitching. Great, <laughs> hopefully oh, getting ready to mate, be injured.
2: <laughs> Connor Rosey nearly took one of the greatest catches I've ever seen, sprinting 60 metres along the boundary, full-stretched had it in one hand and came out as he hit the ground, you know, shoulders and everything, you know, this is two weeks before round one. Um, We thought they might, you know, not be going full sheep stations, but they were, they were there to win. (laughs) And we, and we, so it was nice knocking them off.
0: My next question to you is, can and this actually leads into the last question, but can you describe the impact being semi fantasy relevant has had on your passion and engagement with the league? And then I'll offer my own personal interpretation of that.
2: (laughs) See, I think there's two ways you can go. Last season wasn't great for me, uh, but I think it's well documented that I didn't go down without swinging. I got busy in the in the DMs, um, pulling a lot of trades that effectively didn't come off. I was really, really um, positioning myself for the Pleds career final. I really wanted to knock Smith off in that. Um, didn't quite get there. Bailey Smith, who I've obviously taken this year in this year's draft, um, didn't quite put it together for me. But, I mean, what's semi-relevant? You know, we're talking a new season. I'm 1-0. I'd say I'm extremely relevant at the moment. Um, with every chance to go 2-0 and this week against you, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, um, 2-0, I don't think you can say that I am semi-relevant.
0: I've never seen a Spooner... That's if I get there this week. I've never seen a Spooner go from, a, what, a 17... Sorry, a 2-17 and 17 season last year to winning the first game and now calling himself the most relevant man in the fantasy <laughs> Hey, hey,
2: hey. I, I didn't go that far. I didn't say the most relevant. I would say I'm slightly more relevant than semi-relevant.
0: It's, it's my podcast, mate. I can say what you said and that's fine. <laughs> last Next que- question. Last question, in fact. And this is actually pretty funny. If you win the flag, do we write grind hearts or chat GBT on the shield?
2: <laughs> that's very good. I mean, ChatGPT does have a bit to help. I guess if I do go all the way, I'm preparing my injury spreadsheet before the draft uh, using ChatGPT. But look, I think if I win the flag, I think we could call it GrindGPT. Um, <laughs> and look, our major sponsor, Gina Gina Reinhardt. Um, she may even have a few diamonds laying around that we can encrust on the on the shield, <laughs> add a little bit of bling to it. So look. A grindheart shield would be fantastic. We dare to dream. Um, It's very early in the season being 1-0. But look, I I think you're in it to win it. So so why not dare to dream?
0: Let's move on to our game this week. And like I said, JR and I have done a bit of a wrap-up, but it would be nice to hear your perspective on this. So I'm actually going to throw over to you to open up this conversation and Tell me your thoughts on the game and don't give your tip until the end. We'll, we'll both say that almost at the same time so you know who we're, who we're thinking is going to win.
2: Look, it's going to be an interesting game. I do feel slightly not confident, but I, f- I feel good knowing that your forward line is a bit of an issue at the moment through injury <laughs> and suspension. <laughs> Trying to offload Buddy and, and Wingard to whoever will take them. Uh, but I do notice, obviously, Jack Viney coming back in adds a bit of midfield depth uh, to your squad, which... I'm certainly wary of. Look, I think it's going to be one in the midfield. My boys were down. I think most of the guys scored below their average last week. So, Will Brody, John Newcomb, Ed Langdon were all down on their average. Cam, Cam Guthrie as well and Bailey Smith. So, like, look, if, if I can get 10 points extra out of all those guys, uh, I'd hope to be scoring in the kind of 1450, maybe pushing the 1500 range. Uh, I brought Trent Rivers in off the restricted free agency. I thought... He played quite well last week watching the Dees play, him running off half-back. So, yeah, feeling, feeling okay. Um, but I don't know, what are your thoughts coming into it?
0: Well, before I give you my thoughts, I want to know how scared you are coming up against the most impressive young man in all of fantasy, Sam Durham, who dropped a 90-something on the weekend. And look, I would be running scared personally because he is the greatest player I've ever seen.
2: <laughs> I mean, 93s aren't going to get done for you, mate, when you've got three holes in your forward line. Uh, <laughs> look, Durham's not the one that I'm worried about. Um, I, I think Viney, Hook as well. You know, 108 from Took. He's got every potential to go 150 as a skipper option. Really, Smith's probably the only one that's got that potential for me. So I think your ceiling is probably higher than mine. Uh, but I think if you look across my team, I think I had seven players score in the mid-70s. So pretty consistent across the board. I just need a few more for a few more blokes um, popping up with hundreds.
0: I will say I'm deeply concerned about what Toby Nankervis is going to do to Riley O'Brien on the weekend. I, I, I don't want to watch. I fear like it could, it should come up with some sort of warning beforehand that you know if you are <laughs> watching this game, this may happen to this man, and it's very, very concerning. Both as a Crows fan, but also as a fantasy player.
2: Look, as a, a former coach of Rob, having him last year, having taken him off you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to wish him, you know, any ill wishes, but <laughs> if Nank tears for new one, I won't be all that disappointed. Uh, he's <laughs> kind of a bit up and down, so you don't really know. He, he'll either kill Nankervis around the ground uh, or, yeah, the big Nank will have his way with him. So I'm, I'm hoping it's that. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, there's actually a few players in your team. Liam Shields, who I drafted uh, and then dumped to free agency and he's just found his way into your forward line. And Brandon Parfit as well, who obviously traded him early um, before round one for Ed Langdon, who was down on form, I must admit, last week. But, yeah, so there's a few already expat grindharts in your lineup. (laughs) At least Ed Langdon
0: fucking played. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to to Brandon Parfit, who got almost full game time off the bench as a sub and dropped a nice 15 points in the forward pocket. Um, I would not be taking him and I'll put that on record to anybody in the league, but I will be in everybody's DMs saying how good he is very shortly.
2: <laughs> it's a, we did talk about it when, we, when the trade was happening, when we were talking about this, and I was genuine in, in what I was saying that Parfit does have a lot of upside. Um, the only question marks are around who he pushes out of that midfield with Brune coming in, um, Bowe's coming off a half-back flank. Uh, I know he was injured and didn't play. So the, the Cats have a lot of options that they can kind of rotate through there. So I think you a little been lucky in that Parfit uh, was named, you know, the sub. But I still I still stand by the fact that he's got a lot of upside, and especially with Geelong being bashed around the ball in that last half against the Pies. We just didn't touch it. Uh, I think there is potential for Parfit to come in at some point.
0: I'll offer my tip first and... You're the first person to hear this because the podcast hasn't been edited, but I also tipped myself this week. And I am cognizant that since I tipped myself with JR, Chad Wingard has been ruled out with a P-heart. Um, so I've got Wingard, I've got Franklin, I've got Pruce, I've probably got Parfit not playing, so there's quite a few. I have picked up big Billy Frampton uh, in RFAs, which I'm very excited about. And hopefully Nathan O'Driscoll gets a run. Uh, but there is some moves to be made before our game time. I would predict if I had my way that Chad Wingard and Buddy Franklin will not be a revolving door by the end of maybe Wednesday night, but we will see how that plays out. I am tipping myself uh, very, uh, very reluctantly, but obviously I need to have some sort of faith in my own ability. So myself, for me, Grady, who are you tipping in our big blockbuster matchup?
2: Well, naturally... I'll be going the opposite, Dylan. I, I think uh, we're going to continue our winning form <laughs> and start the season 2-0. and o. The reasons for that, I don't just say that because, you know, I'm riding on cloud nine. Uh, I guess the question marks over your four line and who you can get for, for Franklin and Wingard to fill those holes. Um, unless you've got the mightiest touch of James Davies and can pull something out your ass, pull blokes off the free agency list and drop 120s, um, you may well do that. Uh, but I still do think that my midfield has a lot of upside. Taking a settled squad into this week, the only change, as I mentioned, uh, Trent Rivers coming in off the restricted free agency list. But I, I think with the depth of the midfield in there, Brodie, Newcomb, Langdon, Guthrie, all with a lot of more upside, um, I think we're going to get it done.
0: One last final thought, because this could be make or break for your year also. Are you concerned, and I'm not sure, because you did have your anniversary, happy anniversary for the weekend, that on Twitter there was some serious hate for Alex Witherden on the West Coast Eagles fan page. And coming off a game that they probably could have won against North Melbourne, he was he was, he was blamed for quite a lot of it. What do you think about the possibility of him being dropped even from this week?
2: Look, <laughs> it didn't go unnoticed. Uh, when he caught that shoulder knocker, I did jump onto Twitter and saw the West Coast fans calling for his head. Uh, a lot of hate to Alex witherden on the West Coast Twitter. Look, um, he was a risk drafting him. I copped a lot of mixed opinions, I think, on draft day, picking him up. There's a lot of upside with Withers. The fact that he played round one, I think, was a bonus. I honestly was up in the air about whether he would or not fit into that team. Uh, but, I mean, the Eagles have got an aging back line. I would be playing him if it was me, if I was Adam Simpson. So, look, there is there is concern there. I do have Lockie Jones as cover uh, in defense if I need. Oh, sorry, I've got him in the foreline at the moment, but I've, you know, I, can, I can switch him back there. I think I've got enough cover. I'm hoping Lockie Young will play for North Melbourne this week. He played a lot of games last year. So, look, yeah, that there is a little nerves around there around with us, but hopefully that I can cover him if he doesn't get named.
0: Grady, we really appreciate your time tonight. Very sweaty, like I said. Haven't had dinner, so you are just chomping at the bit to probably hop off the Zoom and get there. We will discuss Tom Atkins probably in the next couple of weeks uh, via DM slash uh, AFL Fantasy App Trade because he is one of my favorite players in the competition. Thank you for your time once again, and we really appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks, Dylan. Uh, Pleasure to be on.
0: That's it for today. I cannot believe we've done four weeks in a row. I am mentally drained by this podcast, but... It is the gift that keeps on giving and I'm glad that uh, the quadruple AFL world gets the kick out of it. We will see you next week where we will have the round two reviews and we'll probably get another coach on. Enjoy and we will see you next time.